Welcome to Nothing Is OB Golf Podcast, episode number 24. In this episode, I speak with Carlos Brown, Director of Instruction for Hackberry Creek Country Club in Irving, Texas. He is a Callaway and Nike staff member and has published several articles for Golf Digest, Women'sGolf.com, and African American Golfers Digest. He has helped many of his students reach their dreams of playing collegiate golf, and he shares his biggest hurdles he has had to overcome in being African American in a predominant white sport. He has a great story of perseverance and faith, of how he lost part of his lower left leg, and how being an amputee has helped him to become the coach and the man he is today. I hope you enjoy my interview with Carlos Brown. An endless amount of accolades that uh, that you sent me. That you're. Uh, I know you told me you asked about my birthday the other day. So I guess you're coming up on your fortieth, or did you hit your fortieth birthday? I, I I hit my fortieth already, uh, June third. So all right, so, so I'm you, already forty. <laughs> so you're. I guess I'm, you're I'm no. A, long, I'm a young forty. I'm a young forty. <laughs> That's right, man. Shoot, my friend. Uh, I like to tell my friend. I like to tell my friends. Uh, I said, call me Young Hoven. That's what I want to be. You know, that's just. That's Hoven. <laughs> Hoven means young in Spanish, so I'm like, just call me Young Young. No, no, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, yeah. I, you know, when you hit forty, you're on your grown and sexy. That's that's <laughs> what these young people don't understand. You know. Well, well, I'm still trying to bring it back. It's somewhere around here. I'm just, I'm still trying to find it. <laughs> well, thank, well, thanks again, now, Carlos. Thanks, thanks again, no, Carlos. No, I appreciate no you uh, being on the show. You have endless amount of accolades. I saw that you've had several articles published by Golf Digest. Uh, not under forty anymore, but you were one of the best of forty uh, instructors yeah. under forty. <laughs> one of the best instructors yes. here in Texas, North Texas especially. Uh, you're a Callaway staff member. You're a Nike uh, Swoosh Golf Apparel member. Uh, so those are some of the things that attracted to me, uh, that attracted uh, your resume to me. And I also saw that uh, you're also an, an amputee golfer, and you coach yeah. all different types of uh, different types of students, all the way from junior golf into uh, into uh, you know guys like me, guy hat golfers, and guys who are. Uh, you know, border borderline on being on the pro, being on uh, several different pro tours, and uh, you've had numerous amount of uh, Division One, NAIA, Division Two, II, Division Three uh, students under you. Uh, so why don't you start off and just letting everybody know just a little bit about yourself, your personal life? Um, well, um, let's see. I, you know, I, I actually always wanted to be a golf professional from the time I was probably junior golfer in high school. And, uh, um, so I'm doing what I've always wanted to do. So that's a blessing. And, um, I've been a golf professional for 17 years. So I've been at, I've been, I've been in the game for a minute, you know, uh, but I, I love every, every minute of it. And, um, like I always tell people, um, uh, because you love what you do, you're able to get up and do it even when you don't feel like it, even when, you know, uh, days are a little tough and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I'm very blessed and, you know, fortunate to be able to, to get up and, you know, be a part of these players lives and their dreams of playing collegiate golf or playing professional golf, or even the, the player that just wants to go out and shoot his, his or her lowest round. So it's, it's, it's a blessing. Now I was also reading that you're married. How long have you been married for? Yes, it'll be a year August second. So, oh uh, dang, man, you're that, still you're still in the newlywed yeah, phase. 
Yeah, man. You know, hey, hey, you know, I don't know. I might, I might just sit in, sit in the new lab, newlywed phase for a minute, man. I might just, <laughs> just camp out. You know, just camp out for a little bit. <laughs> well, let me, oh, I was, I was also reading on on the blog that you posted that uh, I guess some of the times that some of the things that you and your wife are doing during this quarantine time. And luckily enough, I've been blessed to marry my best friend because I told her the other day, I said, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to handle being in quarantine and lockdown with somebody that I couldn't stand. Man, man, that, <laughs> you know, my wife and I, we kind of mentioned that off and on before, you know, and, and, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, that would be the blues. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the blues, man. I'm telling you. So no, I, I, Totally agree. So why don't you tell oh, yeah, us? My wife is. Awesome. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I just said my wife. She's awesome, man. I, I love her. She's my best friend. She's she's amazing. So. Yeah, especially during this time, uh, you know, I guess uh, I think it's a lot of people have, have had to do some other things. And I think golf has been I, I see I go to the range that I normally frequent to. And it's it's mm-hmm. crazy. Like on days that it's only mats, you know, mats are limited. Putting green is full. Uh, the par three course is just packed. People are waiting yeah. for tee times. Uh, you know, the chipping areas is packed and it's great. You know, I think uh, I, like I was reading in your blog, a lot of people have kind of looked at some of the negative, you know, you're looking at the positive. And I think golf yeah. is a, yeah. a big thing to help people get them out there and introduce them into the game. Cause it is one of the safest uh, activities and sports that you could do, especially in this time. It is. It is. And that's something that I've seen myself is, you know, um, golf courses being full because people can't do anything else and they want to be active. They want to get out and they're like, hey, let's let's try it. You know, you see you're seeing juniors out and parents, grandparents are seeing, you know, just buddies going out that actually were too busy to play around the golf with their friends and, you know, and stuff like that up until this time. And, you know, they're getting a little bro time and stuff like that. So. Um, I think it's, I think it's great. It sure is. Now, uh, tell us, uh, your golf testimony, what led you into this crazy game of golf and especially being a professional instructor in this game of golf? Um, actually it's, um, my dad introduced us and, you know, my mom played a little bit, but my dad introduced my sister and I, and my older brother, my, my older brother was doing, you know, he was already in high school doing other things that, you know, but he, he learned it. And, but it was just my sister and I, my younger sister and I that caught on. And, um, it was something that I was around 10 or so, I believe. And, um, but I really, it really clicked and it really just took on when I was about 13 or so. That's when it 14 is when I really just said, okay, I really like this. And then, um, as I got older, I just went all in. And, um, and like I said, I, I actually, I, one of the, it's a crazy story. I'll make it quick. No, um, hey, we so got time, man. Was, Nothing is OB. That's, that's, that's the podcast. <laughs> hey, hey, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, this one, this one's straight left. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, when I was a junior golfer and I was, uh, probably about a junior in high school, I had an instructor that I worked with. And um, he wanted me to help him with this junior camp. Then I'll go ahead and, you know, you can practice for free, get free food, you know, just kind of give me the hookup um, without being paid, but paid in other ways. Right. 
And so talk to my parents. They're like, yeah, since you're practicing all the time, that'll save us some money, you know? So I was like, all right, cool. Um, but the problem was um, he didn't want to teach the junior camp. <laughs> and so, and so he actually, I actually ran his junior camp and I started to um, put all, I started to ask the cart boys or the boys that pick, you know, pick the balls and worked in the, you know, uh, shop and all that stuff. And I said, Hey, I'll give you my lunch. If, you know, you help me for an hour, Hey, I'll do this, you know? So I got a group of guys together and um, we taught the junior camp and I had like a, a competition at the end and it was like a junior U S open kind of thing. And I got the, you know, score, score sheet and put it up. And, you know, I asked, I went around asking the people in the uh, bar and grill and different places for prizes to help me out to give to the kids and stuff. And Damn, I just man. totally, you know, yeah, man. It was, <laughs> hey, you're hustling. And, and you're that, hustling. Hey, hey, you know. <laughs> and so I remember after he goes, uh, the parents were great. They're like, oh, this is great. You know, my kids had a great time. And she was like, they're like, are, are we going to do it next year? And he was looking at me like, yeah, we're going to do it next year, right? <laughs> of course. Like, like, heck no, yeah. I'm, I, I'm like, I'm going to a different instructor. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, but ever since then, you know, I, I knew that I wanted that, like, you know, confirmed that I wanted to be in golf as a golf instructor, as a golf professional. And, you know, um, uh, whether it's playing, whatever it was that I wanted to be a part of, you know, in the industry. So that was one of the things, uh, the first, the first, uh, time I, I had that thought was, um, as a junior golfer, as a younger junior golfer, the head pro, um, of a local, uh, golf, uh, public course, he was just one of the coolest guys ever, you know, dressed apart, you know, had the foot joys, you know, the classics on and, you know, all the all the ladies were like, "Oh, hey, pro, hey, you know." And they said his name. I was like, "Dang, you know, he, oh, he's got he, it on lock, he right?" Got the juice. <laughs> yeah, he got the juice. But, uh, but but you know, seeing him, you know, I thought it was just cool because you know I haven't seen anything like that. You know, growing up, uh, whether you're a minority or not, it's you know, uh, you play football, basketball, soccer, whatever. You know, some of the main sports, um, but. You know, my parents were the type that wanted us to try everything tennis. You know, I dabbled in roller hockey, you know, just, you know, just different things just to get exposed. My dad was really big on making sure that we were able to try different things and, and were exposed to different things. So I was very blessed to have parents that, you know, thought like that. Right. Um, so that was it was good. So I really it, when I talk about my golf journey, my, my dad and, you know, my mom are, are a huge part of that, you know. Well, tell me, you said that your mom played golf. So could your mom put it on your dad is what you're trying to say or you're not trying to say that or no, what? No, 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 I'm not trying to say that. <laughs> <laughs> she, 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 she came out, you know, and, and played some, you know. Um, she came out when we did some family stuff or, you know, whatever. But, you know, she wasn't hundred percent into it. But, you know, at that time my dad was, and my sister was, my sister, uh, was probably, uh, more naturally talented at golf, just like raw, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, she just had a 
yeah, so she was really good. But, so she had a she had a natural uh, ability, and you had to grind everything out, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> no, I was I was pretty studly, uh, but uh, <laughs> but but I did I it it was the first sport though. So every other sport I played, I didn't have to work as hard, and I could be successful to really good at it. You know, um, but golf was the first sport that I had to work just to be good. But everybody did. You know what I mean? So whether you you had natural ability, whether you were, but I was like, oh, dang, I actually have to practice. But then it made it that much more rewarding because I was like, man, you know, I worked real hard. And, you know, it was like back in the day when you, uh, when they used to have the little straws at McDonald's when you had the shakes and you were like, (laughs) you know, when you got the taste, you're like, oh, oh. This is the best. You yeah, know, yeah. Here, boy, you were on it, boy. <laughs> you're like, hey, those little straws. You were like, mm. but it was good though, you know. But that's how it felt, you know. You you struck the ball well. And you're like, oh man, that's that's it, you know. So, yeah, but it was good, man. You got you got a really taste of it, and you wanted more, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay, now you had told me when we talked on the phone that uh, your college, your collegiate career took you to, or you, you went to college in Hawaii. So how yes. did you pick up anything in the golf industry there or did you play there? Uh, tell me about Hawaii. Hawaii was a, um, it was an experience. And the reason why I say that is because um, everything, you know how you go through uh, life and you have an expectation of, you know, when you come out of high school or you know, you come out of a situation and, you know, you hear people's story and everything lined up and it was perfect. And you know what I mean? Like, you're like, man, that was great. That was the total opposite. <laughs> <laughs> now, Hawaii, it's, Hawaii itself was good. Um, I actually had uh, the, the university was great. I actually had a growth spurt. So I was about 5'11 or so when I graduated. And now I'm about 6'3". So I had a late growth spurt uh, after I graduated high school. And within a year, I shot up. Damn. And it was, yeah, it was, it just screwed me up big time. You know, because, you know, when you play, you know, a lot of times, a lot of juniors, when they have a growth spurt at a young age, um, they have time to grow into their body, you know, and they get stronger. And and a, one thing I noticed with the players that, grow a little bit later, you know, they start to really blossom in college because they're growing like later in their senior year and then their college, they start to fill out, you know, start to get comfortable in their own skin. But when you do it late in in college, you know, it, um, clothes were too short. Like, like it was just, it was, I felt like a Bambi. (laughs) So, you know, Everything, everything there was, it just wasn't a good, uh, it actually made me look at, um, that was the first time in my life I looked at golf like I didn't like golf anymore. Well, I'm going to tell you, you I'm, know, f- it was, I'm, it was, I'm five, five. I never have trouble with the, with, well, I say five, five <laughs> on a good day. I'm really five, four, but you know what? It's a podcast. <laughs> so 
uh, only my friends really know how small and short I really am. I never have a problem with the clubs being too short for me. That's it's always (laughs) everything's got to be fitted perfectly for me. Like my clubs go with me everywhere I go. When I go on vacation, I'm going to play around somewhere and I'll like just rent, rent a set. I said, Nah, dog. The rental sets, they're like an inch and a half too, too tall for me. I was like, I got to, my babies come with me everywhere. And I said, you know what? They're made for me. I got an insurance policy on them. You know, like, yeah, I, yeah. I can't play without them, you know? So, so being yeah. it reversed to where you're too tall for your clubs. Uh, so that, that had to have been freaking crazy. So were you able well, to continue? And that's a, and that's a, it was, it, it was a more of a mental thing um, because, you know, um, nobody really knows how to help you. And, you know, golf is totally different now um, than back then, you know, even with whether it's instructors or having people like, you know, growing up. Um, and that actually made me, it's the reason I am the golf instructor. That's one of the reasons I, I am the way I'm now as far as golf instructing is because I didn't have anybody in that situation. You know, I couldn't tell my family that things are off. And, you know, like, you know, it's how do you explain? That just wasn't a good time, you know, period. And you don't have anybody. So that's why I try to be there for all my collegiate players whenever I can, because nobody was there really for me, you know. And see, when people, what people don't want or don't understand is, when you go to college, you know, a lot of coaches are expecting you to be self-sufficient. They expect you're a young adult. And that's even just in, in college in general, throw sports aside, you know, professors and others, they're expecting you to be self-sufficient, a young adult, how handle situations. But, you know, in, in all honesty, sometimes, you know, these young players or, or students aren't prepared for that. You know what I mean? They're not prepared for, things that that come you know and kind of blindside you to a degree you know um I think growing up and having situations that weren't perfect it actually that was actually some of the things that uh are experiences that helped me when I became an amputee because you know I was able to adapt and and I think and and actually being a golfer you know, most of my life golfing, you're able to adapt. And so, you know, going through what I went through, you know, in Hawaii, I was able to adapt as, you know, I grew, um, as I got older, as I got into the golf industry and, and things weren't going as, as well as I wanted them to, or, you know, um, things weren't storybook. So, you know, I think a lot of people see a person's success and low key, they think that everything went great for that person and everything lined up or they might see, you know, the, the fruits of their labor, you know, or they might see what the, the, the crops that they planted. Now they're, they're, they're ready for harvest and they see their harvest, but they didn't see the seed and the tilling and the watching the the crops making sure nobody steals them and you know like you know the constant work throughout the whole season they just see that this person is with nike or this company or that company or they seem successful or they have players or they win in awards and stuff like that 
but people don't see the journey. And I think the problem with that is then they don't appreciate the work or, or, or where you are. And like, man, you know, this person's here. It's not, they're not there because they just magically, they're there because, um, you know, all my blessings are from God, but I also had to work. I also had to put in, you know, um, pay my dues. You know, I also had to, to uh, push myself. And I've also taught hundreds and thousands of lessons, no exaggeration, oh, you know, over the years. So there's a, there's a process, you know, and when you don't have that process and you just want the reward, you know what I mean? It's just, you know, it's, it's different. So. Well, I'm going to tell you as being, I've coached for 14 years of football. Um, I, I am my, my school's golf coach, but I'm more of like a sponsor, you know, I'm, I'm more of, I'm just a, I'm a yes man, you know, I'm like, Hey, good job. Hey, head down, you know, uh, teaching the kids about more of a, more of a, you know, how the, the rules, the golf etiquette, uh, and right. I've been coach. I've been coaching for 14 years. Uh, I've been super thankful to have. I am now coaching my oldest daughter, and uh, just like you said, I think some people, awesome. some people don't appreciate the grind. You know, they they don't. You, you have to. You have to love the grind. You have to love the work. You have to do what what other people don't see behind the scenes. You know, it's, it's all the work behind the scenes. I said, you don't just, I try to teach my kids. You don't just get, get that good jumper one day. And that's why I know you had some, uh, last dance post on Instagram and, and I love it. I love, I grew up in that time and we, we grew up, that was our heyday. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you're 40, yeah. it's like, if you're third, if, if I, I said a post on Facebook, I said, if you were born before 1989, or if you weren't, if you were born after 1989, I don't want to hear you comment on this crap. You have no room to talk because a lot of those people after, <laughs> in the nineties and stuff, Oh, they say Kobe, this Kobe, that. And I said, I'm glad Kobe came out and said it. Uh, there would, without Jordan, there would be no me. And right. I, I loved how the last dance showed behind the looks. I said, this guy was the greatest player to ever play on this planet. And he was human just like us, you know? And, and yeah. I love how it showed the things that he was having to put up with and he was still able to yeah. rise above, to rise above everything. So yeah. now, now yeah. no one has to tell me, you know, being in the gym, being out on the football field, uh, being out, you know, golf. I, I still don't have it right in golf, but you know, I, I love it. I, I do. I love the grind. I, I love the practice. Yeah. And, uh, as a golf coach, I'm sure you have to see that constantly. Now tell me, uh, when you came back from Hawaii, uh, growing up in North Texas, I know you said you went to Dallas Skyline, right? Correct? Yeah, yeah. Now being up there in, in North Texas? Oh, <laughs> get out of here, man. Uh, now, now tell me, what, uh, what was one of the biggest things that, that you had to deal with in just to break it into the profession as an African-American? Um. Oh man. Um, I think, you know, one thing that people don't, don't realize is, um, you know, um, it is, I've, I've had a lot of great, great mentors in the, in the sport of golf. Um, but I also have people that didn't want me to succeed, um, for reasons, whether it's my color or, or insecurities or whatever you want to call it. Um, but 
there were there were people that didn't want me to succeed, and there were people that that uh, felt like um, I didn't belong because I didn't look like they wanted me to look or how they wanted me to look. And um, um, but what I did was just let my talent speak for itself, like my my gifts speak for itself. Um, I remember though um, one one of the uh, assistants, um, one of the he was probably like the second assistant at the time. And um, I remember he sat me down. Um, there was an incident that had to do with my color. And he, he sat me down and he said, one thing I want you to remember is people will always remember you because you do look different. And um, he said, some people, he said, I look like majority of the golf professionals that you see. He said, but you don't. But he said, use that to your advantage. And I never forgot that, you know, um, I never forgot that. It was a way to look at it in a different way. Um, and it was a way of, to, where I always felt like I was a, a rebel in this industry in a sense that I didn't do things the way that um, I guess it should have been done or people say that it should be done or I didn't follow the path that everybody, you know, wanted me to follow. Um, I kind of like somebody told me it was like you kind of came out of nowhere. And it wasn't that I came out of nowhere. It's just I was just working with my head down working. And then you look up and you're at a certain spot. You know what I mean? Um, uh, my intention wasn't to, you know, like I said, be a an elite golf professional, my, my, I was trying to be the best that I could be. And because of that, it turned into me working with a lot of elite players um, because I was just trying to be the best person I could be. I was trying to be a student of the game. I was trying to be uh, a student period to where I took and learned from a lot of great professionals in the industry, you know, um, and a lot of great players. So so who so who was your mentor as you broke into as being a golf professional? Because I was looking at uh, your track record. I know I said it, I guess mm-hmm. you said it, it started about uh, 2010. Is that where is that correct or was it prior to yeah, then? Like that? Yeah, like slightly like 2009 going into 2010. Well, who was um, the one that gave? When, who was the one that gave you your big break? Um, really, it wasn't a a person. Um. It was just more of uh, when I I won a um, so there's a a magazine called the African American Golfers Digest and they gave me uh, early on a Teacher of the Year award and then um, at that time a lot of my players were some of the top players in Texas I had started getting a lot of players doing great in college you know a lot of good juniors in the area. Uh, working with a lot of good mini tour players and stuff like that. So um, my name kind of got um, put in some people's ears because of the work I was doing that way. Um, even though um, my mentor at that time was already a, a you know, well-known short game instructor in on tour and in the area, he was, he knew nothing about, you know, any of this, you know what I mean? He was just somebody that really helped me, you know, um, understand, you know, teaching better and just, you know, stuff like that. But it was, you know, he knew he had nothing 
you know, he had nothing, really nothing to do with the awards I won, but he had something to do with, I guess, from a sense that he helped me um, a lot as an instructor, you know what I mean? And understanding, you know, how to just really learn more and gather more information and push myself to learn as much as I can about all aspects of the golf world, you know, not just teaching, but just, you know, every, everything, even uh, outside of golf. So, um, so in that case, in that way, you know, he, he was very uh, instrumental, you know, in so, helping me become a better instructor. So where did it all start? Where did, where did you, cause I know you haven't been at Hackberry country club this whole time. Where did it all start that you got your break that, Hey, uh, you know, Carlos Brown golf Academy, that idea, where did that idea spark? Um, it started in 2007. Um, and that's when I, uh, I was a first assistant at a, uh, at a, uh, practice facility in, uh, Richardson, Texas. And when I left from that area, um, I wanted to start kind of my own thing, you know, um, I was, I wasn't really a shop pro guy. I was a hundred percent instructor, you know, yeah. and I wanted to spend my whole day, you know, just really working with players. So, um, I actually started teaching at a club in Plano, um, where I first became the director of instruction. And, uh, one of my students father at the time, uh, I think he was a member there, but he reached out to them and they needed a director of instruction. And then that's when I started working there. But, um, that's when it started to kind of, start, you know, develop in, in late 2009, going into 2010, you know. But, you know, what a lot of people don't understand, even though I started winning 2010, I was teaching since 03. You know, so there were, and it was just hours and hours of, of teaching and work. So it wasn't something that came, you know, like immediately. There were years of just, uh, um, tilling and pushing myself and working and stuff like that. And then the fruit started to, you know, come from that. So now being a good, being a really good player and getting these accolades and building up your, um, your rapport as a good coach, you know, listening, hearing you say that you're at a facility at Plano, man, you're in some nice areas, dude. You're, you're in some, you're in some nicer, you're in Plano, you're at a country club, uh, I mean, how is that? Well, how is that well, to, I guess how you, grew up, how you well, grew up in golf. Well, you know, the funny thing is the place in Plano wasn't, even though it was a country club, it wasn't like top tier by any means. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was like a definitely, a, it was good back in his heyday, but you know, um, it's actually has since closed. You know, oh, man. Um, it was, it was that because of you? Was that because so, of you? <laughs> <laughs> I shut it down when I left when I left you took all the players you dropped the mic you took all the yeah that's right they're like you took all the good players and we, we didn't have anything uh, you know, but uh, no <laughs> no but um, actually that I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of the the thing with me is um, I, I thank God that I wasn't in these five-star clubs because um, what I was doing at public courses and these smaller clubs, you know, 
when I won these awards, it wasn't because I was training under a top professional or, you know, it wasn't because I was um, at a, at, at, at a Trump national or Dallas national or any kind of big, you know, five-star a one club. These were just, it was just based on my skill and my players alone, you know, and, you know, a lot of times on, in certain situations, you know, you see players that are, are coaches that are um, winning awards because they're disciples or they trained under well-known instructors or because they're at a certain club where, you know, it's a very high profile club. So, you know, if you're able to me, you know, it's like the best mechanics are the ones that can take something that isn't considered, isn't a Ferrari and turn it into something that looks like a Ferrari. You see what I'm saying? Versus something that, you know, is already polished and, you know, stuff like that. I think, so I, I, I appreciate the grind. I appreciate, you know, being um, in areas where golf was huge or may not have been as huge, but yet you were still able to help people become successful, you know? Now, um, in reading your blog and reading up about you, I guess it was, it seemed more or less, it was about four years ago that you went through something pretty devastating. And uh, for others, they could have took a step back or could have halted their career, but uh, for you, it didn't. So what happened as uh, you had to lose your leg or from Um, below your, I guess it's below your, your shin or below my knee. Yeah, so my tell us about that ish. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it actually the the injury happened on a golf course, and it was a a sprinkler head hole that was like really deep, and I was I stepped into it and twisted my ankle really badly, um, and so the problem that was already bad, but really what made it bad because at that time I was. I probably up into 2016, um, I never really had a vacation. I taught pretty much seven days a week, all day. Like I was just, I was a, the, if you looked up workaholic, that would be a picture of me would be like right next to it going like, you know, and so, uh, oh man, you, know, you, need, at, you, need that, that time, you need some time for your mental health, man. Come on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no, I didn't have no time to help. It was like, it wasn't, you know, so, um, I actually, at that time I had an academy in LA and in, uh, Texas. So I was kind of doing that and then trying to keep the brand going, you know, because people tell you, Hey, you're winning awards, you got to capitalize. And, you know, and so I was, um, I wasn't focused on doing what, uh, need, I need to do for like my health and continue to do what I did to win the awards or, or put, you know, just stay focused that way. I was doing way much, uh, like way more. I was, you know, all over the place. So basically I still kept teaching on it all day. And, um, Damn. because I was teaching on it all day. Yeah. Yeah. It got worse and basically got infected and then I almost died because of the infection got happened really quick and that all happened like in a span of a couple of weeks. And, um, and, um, it was a big chance for me to keep my leg actually, um, about a 90% chance. And then, um, 
when I woke up from surgery or from, you know, yeah, surgery, they said they had to amputate it. Um, but what my parents, uh, my sister tells this story and um, I was still out of it. I was still like sedated or whatever. And um, they said that when the doctors told me that, I was like, well, are you going to give me a fake leg with spikes on it? Like, that was my first answer. And she said, everybody started laughing, you know. Uh, and, typ- and typical so, Carlos, right? Typical Carlos, right? Yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of it, you know. My faith in God, it was, you know, you know, God had me. I had so much peace about what was going on in my life. I knew I was going to be fine. And then, too, I was like, why shouldn't I have to go through things when people go through worse every day? What makes me so special that I can't go through something and people are out here going through things that are just, you know, that are just devastating every day. And, you know, my mind was just focused on getting out and, you know, and and honestly, you know, I tell people, you know, this amputation saved my life. It literally, you know, God used it to literally slow me down. You know, Um, I was going so fast. I just, you know, just didn't stop. And it caused me to slow down and kind of look at some things in my life. And, you know, a lot of times you're working hard like that for some people, not everybody, but for me, especially, you know, you work hard like that because, you know, you're just running away from things, you know, instead of just dealing with them. And that was the biggest thing. I had to deal with some things that, you know, hurt me that things didn't go well, you know, whether it was in college, whether it was early on in my career and, you know, whatever it was, I was just running and working hard instead of just dealing with it, you know, allowing God to heal me. And so that was the only way that that could happen. And so, um, you know, and I'm better for it though. You know, God has blessed me way more now, um, then before my leg, even though he has blessed me a lot, and that's what people realize, before my leg, God's blessed me so much in the industry, and golf has allowed me to do things and meet people I've never met before, but it's even more so afterwards. It was a continuation, so, um, and then the most important thing was I met my wife, so, you know, uh, I was going so fast. I didn't have time to slow down to get married. <laughs> you know, so. Oh, but but now but now now you slow down just enough, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know. So so well, it's 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 good. I'm 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 huge on faith, and that's one thing that really appealed to me in reading some of your posts. And you know, there's millions of you know social media people out there, and. You know, sometimes you post a question and I'm like, hey, these are questions that really make you kind of ponder like your true thoughts about things. And, you know, you say, uh, what's your I know one of the ones I was looking at recently is what's your motivation? You know, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And that's what kind of just really, uh, you know, that's what that's what, you know, that's how you drew me in as being interested to have you on my show is because I am super faith based. Uh, I truly believe God has put every single one of us out here for a purpose. Uh, and yeah. I, I coach at a Catholic school and, um, you know, I give my kids a quote every day before every practice and every game. And, uh, one of the ones that always sticks out to me is a quote by Lou Holtz. Uh, God didn't put us on this earth to be ordinary. And, uh, you yeah. know, we were all put here for a reason. And like you said, uh, it seems like you turned what maybe some people would look at it as a super negative into a super positive, 
for your life. And you actually kind of stopped and, you know, God wanted you to stop and smell the roses, you know, and see and, yeah. and enjoy the fruits yeah. of your labor. Now tell me what was probably one of the, the hardest things you had to adjust after losing, after, you know, after, after the surgery, after losing part of your leg. Um, funny thing, it had nothing to do with my leg. It was my mind. It was, it was my mental state, you know, because, you know, when it's quiet, when you're left alone with your thoughts, right? That's the hardest thing. And I mean, that's why people stay busy, whether it's busy with work, whether it's busy just in general, whether it's partying a lot, whether whatever it is, we tend to stay busy because quiet causes you to think too much. It causes you to reflect on things that may have hurt you in the past and may have maybe failures, whatever it is, right? You kind of, you know, think about that and, 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 and we don't want to slow it down enough for God to heal us. And that was the hardest thing is slowing down enough to be healed. And I couldn't go anywhere. So I had to start being healed like internally and, you know, um, where people see me externally is just a manifestation of what was happening on the inside of me, to be honest. So, so in, in, in reading, in reading from your blog, uh, I'm going to quote you if you don't mind. All right. Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> it's a, you stated, if you learn to manage your mind, then your body and emotions will follow. And, uh, yes. and reading that, I was like, damn this guy's a poet and he didn't know it, you know, <laughs> like, and I'm reading this to my wife and my wife's like, well, well I said, he, you have to learn to manage your mind. And then my wife's like, well, what does that mean? And so then I followed up with the next line and she's like, okay. And, uh, you know, you speak of emotional sobriety and you talked about how, um, a lot of things you talked about is how, how to react in certain situations and, uh, everything that, that you stated that you had to deal with, and uh, your surgeries and physical, you said it was more mental. And, yeah. you know, I'm over here thinking, I said, man, this is like, you are a golf coach. You know, these, these are all these, uh, you know, these are things that, yeah. that, golf, te- that golf teaches you, you know, uh, are you going to grind yeah. out the hole? Are you going to use your foot wedge? Are you going to, you know, take a drop? Right. Or are you going to, you're going to try to get it. You're going to try to get up and down, you know, to save par, you're going to do those yeah. things. And it seems like, that's how you've lived your life to where you are. You, you know, you didn't give up on the whole, you, you didn't give up on life. You know, you just grinded it out and saved par yeah. you know, or, and, or, or, you know, or even, Hey, a good bogey. Sometimes it's good enough. You know, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, man, uh, freaking awesome, dude. You know, I'm, 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 I love to hear that, that it was your mental state that, that, that really kind of you had to heal. And it seems like you've done that. You know, it seems from your, from, from all your successes, all your pictures, all your posts, how you speak about it. It seems like you've healed it. And it seems like you're bigger and better than ever. Would you say that? Um, yeah, glory to God. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and I say that because, um, I'm in a better, I'm in a better state to receive the blessings that God has given me. I'm able to understand that even though um, I didn't deserve them, it was because he loved me enough that he gave me that anyway. You know, even just like with my life, you know, 
you know, at times we don't deserve the things that we have, even the, you know, simple things like just living, but because he loved us so much that we're able to, you know, like, you know, we're accepting that and we're receiving that. And and to me, I, I just want to make sure I'm stewarding the gifts that he's given me. So even if it's life, it's as a husband, it's as a golf instructor, it's as a represent representative for Nike and, and, um, uh, Callaway and Autobach and all these different companies that I'm uh, affiliated with. It's just making sure, and even, you know, uh, the club I'm at is making sure that I'm stewarding these gifts and these friendships that I have, you know, um, and just really uh, appreciating them and, and not taking anything for granted. You know what I mean? So it, it seems like the sponsors and the, and the companies that you belong to and that you are partnered with, it seems like they're, they're aligned up with what you believe in and what you promote. Would you say that, uh, would you say that's correct? Yeah, they're, you know, a lot of them are big into, they're, they're in the people business. That's what I would say. Even though they make great equipment, you know, uh, Callaway makes great equipment. Nike makes great equipment. Autobox, Autobox makes great prosthesis. You know, they're in the, people business you they're know the same they business as you the same business as you're in that's right that's right that's right and and i think you know when we are in a in a people business and we're about serving people and we're trying to you know serve them and be and 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 really um cater to them then you know our our visions align you know um because we want to bring the best out of out of people whether it's the best out of them and as a golfer, as an athlete, you know, as a person, you know, um, to have better quality of life or whatever, that's just what these companies represent. You see it from top to bottom, like from the CEOs on through, you know, to the person who has the least responsibility, but you see it all through their stuff. And that's why I'm very blessed to be a part of these companies. You know, um, these companies have, have, shown me that it's they care about people more than they care about the dollar as far as from my perception you know my perspective right and and so that's why I'm I don't have like I don't it's not hard to support them you know some things you know some things you you meet people or certain companies you're like I don't know if I want to support them you know like (laughs) oh no you know and sometimes we we choose the money over, you know, who they are. Right. But, you know, these companies, you know, they, they're very true to, um, their, their visions, you know, and what they promote, you know, and I am just blown away every single time. So, um, I am very blessed to be a part of these companies and, and to be representing them and to be, you know, um, um, you know, being an ambassador for their brand, you know, well, like, like you said, being a people person or being a company that's about people, I think especially with what's going on in this crazy world today, I think uh, those are the type of companies that are going to rise to the top or those are going to be the companies that stick around. Those are going to be the companies that make it through, through all, this, all this craziness that's going on. Uh, as you can see right here, right. look, I'm, I'm going to show you right here. I just got a few of, I told you, I'm a Nike sneakerhead, but now it's a golf. 
I'm a golf sneakerhead now. Yeah. And so and my wife yeah, gave me, yeah, 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 yeah. my wife gave me my own, you know, she's like, Hey, she's like, you got a problem, you know? And so, um, tell me, how did you get hooked up with Nike? Um, I was actually on staff with Nike as a young professional. So, um, about when Nike used to make golf clubs, I used to, uh, be on staff with them, um, maybe 2005 and six, uh, 2005 to through 2006. Um, I was on staff with them. So I already had a relationship with them years ago. Uh, most people don't know that. And, you know, again, it goes back to, um, you know, people see where you are and they think things have come out of the blue, but it's relationships, you know, it's relationships. And then even after those relationships, are done for that moment or for that season, they're not burnt bridges. You know, you're, they're still watching you. They're still watching you grow. So then when it came around for me to be, you know, um, at that time, uh, I was with, uh, before my amputation with, I was with, a, uh, a, a certain athletic brand, uh, who no longer supported me after my amputation. I, I'm not going to say the name on. Oh, know, come on, but, man. Uh, Nothing is on me, Carlos. But, you know, um, um, some years after that, like after I kind of got going again and got back into, you know, the industry, um, reconnected with Nike and they've been nothing but, um, especially them as an apparel brand now um, only, um, they've been nothing but, uh, great to me for me and for what I do. Um, and you know, so I'm, I'm just, uh, really, really blessed to be a part of that. Have you met any company. of, uh, other team members, like some of their professional team members and maybe it, in the golf industry or in other sports by chance? Um, nobody, nobody yet. I mean, I've met certain professionals you know years before but not in the same like not recently like oh you know i'm at an event oh there's lebron james no i've yeah. never met you know anybody yet i say yet because hopefully soon you know? <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> what about what about callaway how long have you been with callaway oh my goodness um <laughs> i've been with callaway probably going on five or six years um and uh, my relationship with Callaway actually started back at Adams Golf. Oh, man. So, um, and um, my first staff deal with the club company was with Adams Golf. And uh, Chip Brewer, the CEO for Callaway, put me on staff, allowed me to be on staff with them then. And, um, and so when um, I left Nike, I actually went back to, Cal uh, back to Adams Golf. So after the whole thing with Adams uh, went under with, you know, tailor-made Adidas and all that stuff. Um, then I went over to uh, Callaway Golf and we started our relationship then. And it's been a great relationship. I mean, when I first um, um, lost my leg, they they took care of my first prosthetic for me. You Damn. know, um, half That's of my sweet. first prosthetic. Yeah, they, yeah, Callaway has been nothing but, I mean, they're a beast and, you know, it's a it's a major plus that they uh, make and sell great equipment, but they're great people, you know, um, and they're I mean, I have nothing but good things. And that's why I tell people I support these companies 
not be not just because they're great companies because there there are other great companies out there but there is a connection you know and um my vision and their vision line up um and i think sometimes you know we have there are certain situations where you're like you know what we are all on the same boat going in the same direction and we want the same things and we want to have certain people you know i like i want to be associated with companies that uh, have great morals and that they're people companies and, you know, they care about their employees and, you know, stuff like that. I want to be a part of companies that are like that, even if their, you know, equipment might be subpar. It's just a blessing that th- both of these companies, their equipment are superior. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You don't have to wink at me, dude. You don't have to tell me. I'm, 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 I'm playing the epic. I'm playing the epic flash driver. Yeah, yes, I got. I got. I got, yes. Mizuno, I got Mizuno irons, man. Hey, I'm I'm a Mizuno guy, but uh, you know, I rock, hey, that's fine. That's I rock, fine. <laughs> I rock Nike, and you know what? You don't have to tell me. You're aligned with some great companies, but more importantly than them making yeah. great products, it seems like you have a personal connection with them, and they've they've taken care of you, and maybe in some of you know your darkest times. And uh, especially, yeah. you know, with uh, Callaway Adams, uh, they were there yeah. and they've, they've stuck around and shoot, man, they probably make the best driver in the game with the Maverick right now. Tell you the truth. Yeah, man. Hands down. Hands down. So Call what's it? It? I'm telling you live. <laughs> live. Out of bounds. <laughs> so, so what? <laughs> nothing, nothing is OB, man. Nothing. Nothing is OB. That's right. That's right. I'm just telling you no. So tell <laughs> me, what, what's in the bag right now? What do you got in your bag right now? I see your bag right behind you. So... Um, uh, what are you pl- yes, what are you playing? Yes. Um, I have the new Maverick driver, uh, Fairywood um, hybrid, but I also have the um, um, one of their pro hybrids. I have the uh, Epic um, Pro irons. Um, I have the new Magdaddy wedges, um, and that's about it. What what like, putter? Uh, you, what putter uh, do you have? I have I, I have a, I actually have a Seymour putter. Oh man, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you had it for a long time? And I have a Seymour putter. Yes. Um, my my mentor turned me on to Seymour. And for the most part, that's the only putter I've ever had in my like for the most part in my bag <laughs> in my in my professional career. Yeah. All right. So, now now so tell me. Just, with with all the Nike kicks, I didn't mean to cut you short, man. With all the Nike kicks you got. No, no, you got what's your favorite what is your favorite nike golf shoe and don't just tell me it's it's the new um, the new one out now it actually is it's it's the it's the infinity pro tour um the new infinity pro tour or the brooks Kepka shoe yeah um that one that one um i also like uh the jordans uh the jordan fives they're good um they're actually way more comfortable than people think um so i like those uh but um and the premieres they're actually really really comfortable too those are like my three favorite i I do like the air max shoes they're comfortable but um the new um infinity pro tours those are like hands down favorite shoe right now right now in the game and it has nothing to do with their new it's just they're so comfortable that's what everybody that's um, what everybody says i've been looking at the reviews yeah. because I'm, I'm looking at getting some and i've heard i've heard two sides of the spectrum one is that uh it kind of fits i guess they fit a little bit more snug so some people might have to go like a half size up 
because they are a little bit more yeah. snug, but they're super comfy. And then I've heard, I've seen some of the other reviews where like a lot of people are slipping, uh, the worst spike ever created, you know? So I want to hear it from you, dude. That's why I was like, you know what? I'm going to base, yeah, I'm base my on what Carlos says. Right. And, and check this out. See, and I have a prosthetic and I don't slip. So, so <laughs> to me, to me, people, you know, if they're not using the ground efficiently, then they're not going to be using the tools. You know, they're going to be slipping even if they have eight spikes on there, like 20 spikes on each foot. Then <laughs> they're gonna be slipping. <laughs> so I, I believe I believe thing, it. And the, and the way and the way it's designed, it's designed based on where uh, most tour players have pressure in their feet when they're loading, driving, and unloading. That's where it's designed. So if you're missing the mark, I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> that's on me, brother. Nah, dude, hey, that's man, on me. If you miss the mark, on me. Hey, if you miss the mark, come and come and come and see me, bro. Like if you miss the mark, come and see me, or come and see somebody <laughs> like me that can get you right and get your feet from sliding. <laughs> you, you you grass skating. The guys, yeah. they're grass skating, bro. That's they're it. Grass skating. <laughs> so you All know, right. twinkle toes. You know, that's it. That's it, yeah. dude. Now tell me, uh, favorite favorite golf movie. Um, um, it's, it's, it's a tie in a way. Uh, the first, the first one is seven days in utopia one, because it's Texas. Come on, represent. There you go. That's it. So, Texas boys. So yeah. So one, because it's Texas, but two, it's a good story back there. It's a little spiritual. It has some, you know, uh, God notes in there. So I, I really like that. And honestly, um, that the book is actually better than the movie, I think, but it's uh, that's my favorite golf movie. And um, the second, like a close second, is the greatest game ever played. Damn, because dude. it's a true story. Oh, yeah, it's a Fra true story, bro. Francis, and, and then Francis, Francis, yep. man, he got we met, man, <laughs> got it. And and you know, but you know, I like those kind of underdog, you know, talented, you know, Rudy stories, even though he wasn't. Rudy, he had talent, but you know, he came from the gutter. You know, his dad was literally working like in the gutter, like you know, like Dig, he came, digging ditches, he, digging ditches, trenches, digging ditches, man. Yeah, he, my man was in the trenches for real. <laughs> so he was, he was, he was in the trenches. So you know, I really um, like that because he, I related to Francis. We met a lot because of just, um, it wasn't. A, a cultural thing because he didn't belong, but he didn't belong because he didn't fit what they thought, you know, a golfer should be. Um, it was probably more cultural for me, but just that whole, you know, he was like, they're like, he's good, but it doesn't matter that he's good because he's still not what, what we picture. He's not a, he's a caddy boy. That's you know right. what I mean? What, or what he's they say. A, He's a caddy. Caddies don't golf. Caddies don't play. Right. Right, right, right. When they couldn't play, even yeah. though they're members, they were terrible golfers. You know, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, my thing was, you know, I kind of related to that from there. I, and even with Harry Varden's character, Harry Varden, you know, he came from Jersey, you know, England, yep. Jersey, which was, you know, the armpit. The slums. Know, yeah, so the slums. He came, yeah, he came from the slums, man. You know, he started from the bottom. Now he's here. He's nah, like right there. It. There you, you know? go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and so, 
And so he, he was there and it was just really cool to see how he connected with Francis. We met and he was like, that kid was just like me, you know? And, and I really respected that. I thought that was a great, you know, a great movie. And, and it was, like I said, it was a true story and he came out on top and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So those are my two favorite. I know people talk about Tin Cup a lot and they talk about Caddyshack and they talk about, Oh yeah. But know, it's, uh, it's, happy it's, Oh yeah. It, it's everybody's favorite, you know, like, I, I love watching the greatest game. And again, like you said, it's kind of like an underdog story. So I definitely, I love watching that movie. And yeah. plus it, it's, it's a Disney movie. So it's on the Disney damn new streaming service. So I'm able to watch yeah. it all the yeah. damn time. And then seven days in yeah. Utopia, I say about two months ago, uh, I just played over there at that course and, and it was crazy. I'm not going to say oh, really? you know, the course, it was probably in bad shape. It was in bad shape. You know, the greens, you know, there's like, there's cow poop, cow patties all over the damn place. But you know what? The right. gentleman, the gentleman that ran the shop there was super nice. He's like, Hey guys, uh, you know what? Hey, we can still ride carts at the time. And that was when for a while, uh, I don't know how it was up there in North Texas, but certain spots here were mandated that, you know, the only time you could play golf was to walk. And so right. these guys that these guys that I'm with, man, they're, they're freaking, they're hungry, dude. They're sniffing it out. They're sniffing out anywhere that's got a damn golf cart. And so we go to Utopia, Texas, right? And uh, we're out there and uh, the greens were in horrible shape. It was raining. And these guys wanted to do a little, <laughs> these guys want to do a little two man, freaking two, two man, $10 entry, you know? And I had just worked out the day before with my wife uh, during this quarantine. I started doing CrossFit with her because, shoot, I said, you know what? All I'm doing is nothing but drinking margaritas, eating sweet stuff. <laughs> I've already gained 15 damn pounds in one week. I said, you know, I don't care about the weight, dude. You know, I'm 40 years old. I got two kids. I got that dad bod. It's just when I can't fit into my golf clothes, we got problems. Right, you know? right. We got problems. Yeah, it's the golf clothes. It's That's the it. golf clothes. That's it. <laughs> you know what? Luckily enough, yes. luckily, luckily enough, you're a sponsor. Dude, me, I'm like, I got to go to Ross to dress for more. People say dress for less. I said, no, I'll go to Ross to dress for more, you know? And so <laughs> That's funny. we go out there to Utopia. Uh, we, I was doing these hanging knee pulls with my wife out on the freaking uh, playground with the kids. And the next day I couldn't even pick up my damn golf bag because my forearms were just shot. <laughs> and these guys kick my ass out there, kick my ass out there. And I say, you know what? I tell my wife, come back and I give my wife the business. I said, don't ever make me do these damn knee raises on the playground because I couldn't even lift the damn golf bag. Oh, but, but you know, oh, what? Man. you got some of those, I got some of those fills because, uh, I guess where the painting is, you know, how he painted, how he had to go around yeah. the tree. It's out there. It's out there. Uh, oh, wow. yeah, it's out there and stuff and you see the tree and, and you have to try the shot. Wow. Right? You have to try the shot. And, and plus the whole thing about utopia is, uh, they play in the Valero open, you know, I'm here in San Antonio, Texas, you know? And so I'm like, yeah. uh, they played, they played, uh, that movie, it, they say the Valero, but they, they had it at, I guess it was at a uh, boot. I think it was boot ranch, boot ranch out okay. of Fredericksburg. And so, uh, okay. and so I'm like, that's not the same. That's not the Valero open. I was like, I've never seen that damn course. And then somebody goes, yeah, they played it in Fredericksburg and boot ranch. And so, uh, badass that you say those two movies, man. Cause I, I really enjoy yeah. it. Now tell me, uh, yeah. Yeah. tell me your all time favorite golf memory. Um, 
Whether wow. it be from, whether it be from playing or from coaching, uh, just just one memory. Well, that you know what? The most. It was um, my whole family. Uh, my brother wasn't there, but my mom, dad, sister, my grandmother, my dad's mom, and myself. We went out and played, and my grandmother was in a cart, and you know we were all just having fun and playing. That was probably the best golf memory that I still keep to this day um, of just us out there playing and having fun. And my grandmother was like laughing in the card and, and she was looking at my sister and I like, Oh, look at my little golf babies, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, that was like real cool. That's, that's one of the things that, you know, um, something that I tell my players a lot is um, making sure that you're not so focused on reaching your goals that you don't enjoy the journey, you know? And I did a, I think I did a lot of that in my life uh, of just focusing on my goals so much that, you know, in my uh, golf professional life career. Right. Um, So you, you just kind of miss out on all those little things, you know, there are some fun and there's some great memories, but the greatest memory in golf for me was with my family and we were just golfing and having fun. And it was a beautiful day. I just remember it was just, I don't even remember what I shot that day. I just remember having fun, you know, because after the, you know, a lot of times when you're trying to play and get better, you're so focused on being good. Right. You know, and there's no balance of just having fun, you know, and not saying that playing golf isn't having fun, but it's a difference, you know, when you're trying to compete versus when you just let go and it just doesn't matter you know, and that day it didn't matter. It was all about family and it was just about us enjoying each other, you know, so. Well, you you say that as being your best golf memory and to think about it, I'm sure you've been in this golf game for over, I mean, like 20 plus years. Uh, That's rare at times that you could have your whole family out on the course at once. Don't you think? I mean, that's like, you say that and I'm just like, I, I mean, hey, I'm Mexican, you know. I mean, we got we got cousins and primos for days out here, you know. And I'm just thinking, like, it, you know, that that's rare, and that seems like that that yeah. that seems like that was a real special moment because I it couldn't was, I couldn't say that, you know, I couldn't say that I've ever had yeah. something like that. I've had something, to, you know, along those lines where I've had my dad and my uncles and maybe a couple cousins, but man, that that sounds like a beautiful memory. Um, yeah, man, it was great. Now. Who are you playing your last round, your very last foursome? Who are you playing it with? And it could be with anybody. Um, like if I had to choose? Yes. Um, it would probably be with my brother-in-law, my godbrother, and one of my best friends, Daniel. Yeah. My god brother George, one of my friends, Daniel. And actually, I don't know, it'd have to be a fivesome because <laughs> best friends. Yeah, uh Kurt, it'd be with him too. So it'd be, you know, it'd just have to be us five rolling out together, you know. Hold um, on, man. You're you're breaking the rules here, dude. I know this is nothing is yeah. OB, but, but I mean it's out of bounds. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you can, man. Well, that's great, brother. Okay, uh <laughs> <laughs> last thing uh beyond the stakes uh i ask all my guests just one question that can be controversial in the game of golf now you hinted on okay. something at me you threw me this text right before we got on 
Now tell me, what's the deal? How come you're not a PGA professional? Um, well, uh, early on in my career, um, I was actually in a PGA program. Um, uh, the owner of the facility where I was um, pretty much was like, hey, well, you're not going to be a successful professional if he and some other PGA professionals, if you're not PGA and you don't kind of do what we're telling you to do. And my idea and thought was um, the doors that God opened, no man can close, no man can tell me what I can't or can do. And so I was actually turned off by it. And it wasn't just him. It was multiple guys acting that way. And so I said, if this is what this is like, I do not want to be a part of it and nor will I support it. And um, so fast forward some years later, right before I won, right, right before I won, um, um, started winning awards, uh, the head pro at, at a, a club in Dallas or at a golf course in Dallas, uh, Tony Martinez, um, one of the coolest golf pros I ever met in my life. Good guy. He's, uh, um, I don't know if he still is, but he was uh, uh, the North Texas PGA uh, president. Uh, he was very, uh, he actually started to change my mind because of who he was. You know, um, he's such a great guy, such a, a, a good person. And um, the, the thing is, at that time, though, I started winning awards and then I was kind of like, okay, well, never mind. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, okay, I, I'm good on my own, right? I don't, I don't need this. <laughs> yeah. And, and really what it was is, you know, I've actually helped a lot of pros pass their PA playing ability test. Yeah. I helped a lot of PAT. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, juniors get into uh, right, you know, right letters of recommendation to get them into the PGM program and colleges. So it's not that I don't, you know, and I've helped the North Texas junior PGA in a lot of things. So it wasn't that I, you know, at first I was very anti when I was young, but as I got older, you know, I just felt like, well, it goes back to my lane is different than everybody else's. So if a young person says, Hey, I want to be a PGA professional, I promote it. I want them to be successful in whatever they choose to do. So whether it's playing, whether it's going to be a PGA professional, whether it's going to do something else, but um, my story and my lane, is just my story in my lane. I think at the end of the day, nobody cares about what you know until they know how much you care. Right. Like that old saying says, right. Damn, dude. Um, That's good. That's a good line. dude. And, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, my thing is when you work with players on higher level, they want, they just want you to care about their career and help them become better. And there are players, there are pros, a good handful of them that wear that shield that aren't good professionals that can't teach themselves out of a, you know, mop bucket. But there are some that are great people. There are some that are great professionals. So it kind of is like teachers. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there, there are some teachers that are great and they're meant to do it. And there are some teachers that are, aren't, shouldn't be teachers, you know? Yeah. Um, and that goes, and that goes for the golf industry. There's just people that shouldn't be in the industry. And there's some people that should be in the industry. And there's some people that should be in the industry that, 
it got pushed away because they didn't fit the mold or want part of that that boys club that used yeah. to be back in the day. I think the PGA is making, you know, these I've I've seen way more African American and Latino American and Asian American uh, young people being a part of the PGA now than I ever have. You know, that, when that's I great. Was that's up. great. Yeah. Yeah. So there are things now. Are there shit? Are there, um, you know, um, should there be, you know, other changes? Yes. And I think it should continue to grow, um, not just to get more numbers, but because it's just the right thing to do. You but know, I think, um, but, I, but I, th- I think you, I think that's how you go about it, though. I think that's how you change it. I think it seems like all throughout your career, you were kind of fighting the notion of that's how it's always been done. And, right. uh, you know, being different, uh, staying, you know, in, in your own lane, you know, or getting in your own lane and having kids and people feel comfortable in their skin of everything that you've, that you've talked about today, Carlos, everything that we've discussed, uh, it all goes back to you being a servant of the people and being a people person. Yeah. And, uh, Man, dude, that that's how you get things done. That that's how you move. That's how you uh, that's how you that's how you move the needle. Uh, that's how uh, chains get broke. That's how uh, you know thing. That's how things get things get changed. You know, and it all starts with a spark. Yeah. You know, and it seems like uh, it seems like you're a spark in this industry, dude. And you know, uh, and you, you, well, you're starting it. you're starting to really burn up, man. And it seems like uh, I was reading a lot of quotes about you. And it, it all goes back to you being uh, how you relate to people. And I can tell, uh, I, I think my listeners are going to be able to tell how genuine you are from uh, in your story, just from everything that we've discussed today. And uh, man, I, I appreciate it. dude. I know I've taken up a boatload of your time, but damn, man, you really, really you, you really encouraged me, you know, and uh, it's guys like you in this industry that really want to make me continue to, to have more people on like you and, you know, just make me continue to get out there and find guys that just want to grow the game, you know, because it seems like, yeah, you know, it seems like people like you and from your bad experience and from your good experience and then the students you coach, uh, it's why you do what you do. And man, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever told you, but I appreciate what you do for this game of golf, man. And Thank uh, you, man. That means a lot. Thanks. Uh, last thing, have a uh, biggest tip you can give somebody. Um, or best tip you can give somebody best tip. Um, make sure that your fundamentals are solid. Um, poor fundamentals are the number one to me, number one cause for poor, for poor, uh, athletic movement are golf swings. And that's just across that's an, as an athlete. So, you know, a lot of times we give golf tips based on, Hey, well, if you're slicing, do this. Well, if you're if you're make, doing something as an athlete and your foundation isn't correct, you're not gonna be you're not going to perform to the best of your ability to your full potential. So if you can, whether it's getting your setup good, your grip good, understanding the foundation of your golf swing is going to totally change how you strike the ball. So um, I think that's the biggest thing, and it may not be as sexy. 
But you know what? It produces sexy shots. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm, I'm, you know what? I might not be sexy, but I'm all about looking sexy. All right. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you ever played golf here in South Texas or around the San Antonio area? No, I've been to uh, courses out, like, I wouldn't say San Antonio area, but just South Texas, but I've never played golf in San Antonio. All right, man. Hey, you need to make your way down here. Uh, you'll be my personal guest, man. We have La Cantera, where we play, and we also have TPC, J-Dub Marriott, where they play the Valero Open. You'll be my guest out there, man. Hey, uh, make your way down here. Let's because, do it. Uh, you know, South Texas is a great – this is a South Texas podcast, but I also have to – I love my I love my state. You know, Texas, got to take care of my yeah. Texas boys. Uh, you, can reach right. Car- you can reach Carlos on Carlos Brown Golf on Instagram. Uh, you have uh, carlosbrown.com. Uh, Carlos, uh, you have uh, your golf academy, Carlos Brown Golf Academy. Uh, do you have any anything special, any camps or anything coming up that you might want to promote? Um, um, no, we just have some things. I have some things coming up in the works, uh, kind of special. Um, but um, I'm going to uh, let you know when they're about to pop off so you can drop it. You can be one of the first to drop That's it. That's it. That's what it I want to hear. <laughs> and uh, I got you, bro. I got right. you. And then, um, and then, um, yeah, just make, make sure, you know, if you're in the Dallas area, come and check out, check us out, uh, check out Hackberry Creek, you know, country club is a great club designed by uh, Byron Nelson. And, um, you know, it's a tough little track. Greens are always great. Uh, members are good. You know, all the people here, staff. So yeah, check them out. Be good, man. All right. Well, thanks, Carlos. I, again, man, I know I took up a lot of your time, but dude, I appreciate it. Uh, and no you, motiv- Thank you. you motivate me, man, to, to keep doing this, man. And uh, hey, I hope you have a, a good evening. You too. You have a blessed evening. I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you. All right. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Carlos. Please go to iTunes and click subscribe and leave a review. That's how it helps me grow the podcast. And if you don't have iTunes... You can reach me on SoundCloud and on iHeartRadio. Visit the website, www.nothingobgolf.com. Also hit me up on social media, at Twitter and Instagram, at nothingisob. Also, I'm on Facebook, Nothing is OB Golf Podcast. And please join the Facebook group, Nothing is OB South Texas Golf Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Remember... In the game of life, nothing is OB.